But let's move to the world of soccer for a moment because um, the Euro Championships, the European Championships are going on right now. And they are drawing huge ratings on TV. Big, big interest in this. And again, I'm not at all surprised. Um, And yet at the same time, there is talk. I've been hearing talk in the last few weeks that there are a lot of people apparently who think the Euro Championships are actually better than the World Cup. I will let my next guest weigh in on that one because he is the expert. His name is John McGrain. He is a member of multitudinous halls of fame for his epic playing and coaching and managing career in the world of soccer. Uh, And he joins me now. John, thanks for doing this tonight. How are you? Nice to talk to you again. Um, What is better, the Euros or the World Cup? Oh, definitely the Euros. Why? Well, in the World Cup, you're uh, you're bringing teams in uh, on a, on a regional basis. I mean, you're bringing them in from five continents. That doesn't necessarily mean you're bringing in the best twenty four or thirty six teams in the world. In the Euros, when you're when they even expanded it to twenty four teams, you would have thought it'd be a been a dilution process. But actually, uh, there's been quite a few upsets, and every game is is a cracking game. Well, you say there's 24 teams now. I, I have been looking at this and wondering, okay, who didn't they let in? Like, you've you got to be feeling pretty bad if you're a European country and you're not playing in this right now. Hey, listen, I was born in a country that's not playing that right now. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> so so that, tells you, that tells you how bad you really are. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think that uh, what it's done is opened up opportunities for teams. Look at what Northern Ireland's doing right now. Uh, Albania got their first points in a European championship. Uh, Iceland. I mean, it's just been absolutely tremendous. It, it, it's it's really increased the game. I think what it's done is made it more popular in certain parts of Europe, which, which otherwise would not have been so. Well, and, and certainly for many people who trace their roots, either live there now or trace their roots back to that part of the world, having your country in uh, is always better than just watching as a fan. Oh, absolutely. As an observer. I mean, it's, it's always been very, very difficult with the Euros because you're asking, you know, 16 teams to qualify. I think with 24 teams right now, it makes it a lot easier for the teams who are on, you know, just on the verge of making it every mm. single four year, or every four years. Uh, now they've got a real opportunity. And once you get into these championships, sometimes it could be a one-off. I mean, you come up against a big team and you get a result. I mean, look what Iceland did to Portugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching uh, again today... Uh, you know, Northern Ireland and Western and Germany, uh, just excellent football gives them a chance, and who knows what the, the last sixteen are going to look like. Yeah, it, it's it does seem. And now, I, I mean, I realize that one plus one does not always equal two, but it does seem rather amazing to see Northern Ireland lose one nothing to Germany, and in the last World Cup, Brazil lost seven nothing to Germany. Uh, I'm not again. I'm not saying one plus one equals two, but boy, oh boy, it's um, it's an interesting thing to see how some of these teams are doing. Well, I, I, I think, it, it, you know, we also saw a game today, which is, uh, you know, Croatia beating, you know, the defending European champions, uh, Spain, 2-1, to one, in what I thought was probably one of the most exciting games I've seen in the Euro so far. And I think Croatia is going to be one of the dark horses when it comes to an opportunity to win the whole thing. They are incredibly talented and playing with a great deal of emotion. John, when you said about they went from the 16 to the 24, it seemed before this that, give or take, there's always one or two that are in or out, but those 16, when you leave it at 16, there are probably 16 European countries that were almost always going to be there. So you really had locked out an awful lot of the other countries. No, absolutely. No, there's no doubt about that. That's why they're, 
they're talking about at the, I don't know whether it's, I, I think it's the World Cup after Russia, that they're talking about expanding the uh, World Cup qualifications. Mm. And that may help some European teams, but what it also means is that there may be a dilution of product because you're bringing in teams from Oceania, you're bringing in teams from North America. Uh, we you should know, hope a, so. An extra team from CONCACAF, <laughs> which would be good for Canada. But yes, it would. Are we, are, are we there yet? Are, are we at a level to compete? Probably not, but you got to start somewhere. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, if that was going to be the case, uh, see, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you can get there and at least generate some of that interest, that it can only help. You, you may not compete, but at least if Canada was in the World Cup, I mean, we watch it anyway. But boy, would it ever, I mean, even if we didn't score a goal, which would be intensely frustrating, to be there would be way better than not being there. Well, we did it in 86, never scored a goal, never won a game, but just to be there was uh, generated a lot of, a, a tremendous amount of interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it actually was the genesis of the creation of the Canadian Soccer League of the late 80s with the Hamilton Steelers. So a lot of positives will come from that. So, uh, no, I think it will grow soccer in other parts of the world when you include them, because when a team like uh, Fiji or New Zealand or your teams like that are in the World Cup, then you're talking about a whole different uh, group of people who are going to be watching a game. And that's, that creates a lot of dollars and cents for that particular region. John, is there a difference in feel among the fans of this? If you're playing in the World Cup and so uh, your country is the Netherlands, for example, I'm just throwing, picking one out of the blue sky here, yep. and you end up playing Cameroon, well, you don't generally have a lot of rivalry with Cameroon. You don't really know much about Cameroon. You don't really, you know, you don't dislike them, but you don't care about Cameroon. So, you know, the game, you want to win, but whatever. I mean, as long as we win, we're good. Is there a different feel because there just are so many rivalries and and close borders and everything else with the Euros? Well, you know what? Uh, there are rivalries. Uh, the fact that Holland is not there is, is unfortunate because the biggest rivalry is Holland and Germany. Uh, but that being said, cream always rises to the top, so it may not be the eight best teams that are going to be in the quarterfinals, but I guarantee at least six of them will be. So uh, it really doesn't matter who you're playing because in the group stages, you're basically playing uh, you're playing just to get through. But when it comes to, you know, the quarterfinals or the semifinals, I mean, you, you, that's when you really see quality games because it's quality teams playing against other quality teams and they allow each other to play. And, and that's when it becomes fun. But as far as rivalry is concerned, when you're in a small community like Europe, these guys that are in the European Championship right now, they play against each other on club football. Sometimes they play in the same club. Yeah, yeah. I'm so thinking more about the fans, actually, John. Like more about the because there's so much rivalry with the fans. You live next door to this country. You you get their media. You hear their people. It would seem to me that with that proximity, there's going to be more intensity in some of these games, oh, fan wise. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, somebody sent me something from Scotland that said that uh, uh, they're singing songs, basically saying, uh, you know. Hope England loses, you know, <laughs> this kind of stuff. I mean, when it comes to World Cup or European Championships, the, you know, the, the ethnicities certainly come, comes out. There's no doubt about that. And, and the, the old hatreds of many years ago certainly come out. Uh, but from the fans, it increases a great deal of interest. And that's why when you watch every game, the passion that you see in the stands is just as intense as the passion you see on the field. How does it play? How would you expect that it's playing back in the UK right now that Wales finished in the group stage ahead of England? Oh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I, I think that the manager of England, when he made the six changes, 
uh, probably get, I know he get absolutely taken over the coals, and the fact that Wales is now in, in front and have the bragging rights for the group, even though they lost to England 2-1, uh, that's not going very well at all. Because what it means is instead of, if England had won the group, they would have had a better, uh, a better opportunity to play against a lesser team. Now they're going to play against a very tough team, just like Spain's going to play against Italy because they lost the group. So uh, they're not happy because this playing, playing with six new players on the team on the, in the third game may cost them going in to the next round after this. When you look at soccer around, well, let, let me back up for a second. Uh, in the world of hockey years ago, you could have vastly different styles of play in, depending on what team was, you were playing against. Russia had a style of play. The Swedes had a style. The Canadians had a style. It has sort of all morphed into one now because the world has become much smaller and players are moving around. Soccer has, I don't think it's done exactly that yet, but I'm wondering because you still see a distinctive style from Brazil versus a style from Germany versus a style from others. But in the Euros, when again, there's the geographic proximity, are there the wide, wide range of styles that you would see in a World Cup or is it a lot more similar? A lot more similar. Uh, it really is. Uh, you know, when you watch the creation site today, uh, you know, always been a very, very technical site. But I saw a lot more toughness. Uh, I saw a lot more uh, aggressiveness. Uh, you know, a lot more teamwork because traditionally creations are great players but don't play very well together. Uh, I think when they put the game together, they'll do well. So there are differences in style. The German style is very much reflective on German society. I mean, very tough. Uh, very methodical, you know, technically oriented. Uh, and then you've got the, the English style, which is, uh, you know, different a little bit now because they've got some technical players, but uh, it's really heart and soul type of stuff, you know, fight to the bitter end, maybe not as as, uh, as talented as others. But in, in, whole, in the whole, the European style is very similar than what you would find if you brought an African team in, if you brought a team from South mm-hmm, America. Mm-hmm. Uh so for, for those who like that kind of style of football uh, or are going to love the Euros, for me, I'm not a big fan of South American football, uh, but they tend to end up winning World Cups. Okay, so we live in, a, sadly, we live in a world where the threat of terror or of those kind of things are, uh, are always present. How in the world do guys every single game, it seems, get flares that they can set off into the stadium? Well, I was in the 76 Olympics for Canada, and that was the first Olympics after Munich when there was 11 Israeli athletes murdered, and the security was incredibly high. And it was right at the height of René Levesque and the PQ in Montreal. Uh, so there were many instances where uh, the terror threat was, was very real in Canada. And, you know, we had Canadian soldiers who pretty well followed us everywhere whenever we went outside the village. And it was unusual for a Canadian. Uh, it does have an effect. Because not only are you playing on the fields, but your families are in the stands. So if some nutcase is going to walk in there with a bomb belt and do something stupid, uh, and you know that that's already happened in France and Belgium, who are at a heightened security alert, uh, the players, you know, that can make them very, very nervous. There's no doubt about that. I just don't know how they get them in. I, I, I just can't believe with the security. And remember, uh, and, and you just mentioned it, when the um, when that terrorist attack happened at the uh, the club in Paris, 
they were trying, were they not? If my recollection is correct, they had bombs also outside the stadium. You know, I think somebody said it quite correctly. Uh, when, it, when it comes to the police forces and security guys, they've got to be right 100% of the time. That's true, that's true. The, the, the terrorists only have to be right ones. Yeah. And, and if they really, really want to do something bad and they have a motivation to do it and the opportunity to do it, they'll, they'll do everything in their power to try and do it. Yeah, I just. Uh, I, I yeah. hope it doesn't happen. Because oh, of course. That would, be, that, that, that would be terrible, not only for the incident, but terrible for the game of soccer because right now it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you've got some stupid people out there, you know, the English and the Russians and so forth. I mean, and the Croatians throwing things on the field. I mean, that takes a little bit away from the, the game. It creates the, the hooliganism of the 70s and 80s. But I think the game has transformed today where it's more about having fun in the stands. And, uh, and and enjoying the game, the purest form of the game. Yeah, I, as I say, I just it just shocks me that game after game we see these flares in the stands, and I can't figure out how they're able to get them past security apparently so easily. Because you would think it, it with you're exactly right, John. You're a hundred percent right. You have to be right a hundred percent of the time. Seems to me that would be something that you'd be looking for is things like flares or other things that could explode. But well, we we hope and pray and keep our fingers crossed. Not. Well, as, as I said before, I mean, uh, as long as the worst thing you have to deal with is a flare, then you're oh, going to yeah, be okay. Yeah, absolutely. But, but at the end of the day, uh, I think the security in France uh, is just so tight right now that it would be incredibly difficult to get anything in, but not impossible. Let me change tact a little bit. We're going to stick with soccer, but um, the Toronto Argonauts opened their season this week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats at BMO Field, home of TFC. Right. And there have been a number of fans of TFC who have been complaining very vigorously that this is not right, that their stadium should not be used for football because the football players, I'm talking the American Canadian football players now, are going to absolutely chew up the field and make the soccer much, much worse when TFC takes to their home field. Do they have a fair gripe? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But this is not about, this is, this is not about the game. This is all about money. I mean, the reason why they expanded the stadium was because they were going to bring the Argos in. That meant 30,000 more tickets to sell, uh, you know, for those that, that own the stadium, MLSE. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, football and soccer should not be played at the professional level, should not be played on the same field, unless it's artificial. Simple as that. They will destroy that field by the time... I mean, if you get a good rain, and we're talking 250, 300-pound guys, you know, with long studs on, on grass, and a, and a, and a really, really wet, wet, rainy day that will completely chew up the field. And once it's chewed up, it doesn't come back again. I mean, I, being a part of the North American Soccer League, I've played in many grass stadiums where NFL teams were playing in. And when it came to September, when they had preseason games, we'd play on fields that looked like a cow pasture. So, and it was flat, but it was hardly any grass straight down the middle of the field where all the all the scrimmages took place all the the offensive and defensive lines were so it will have an effect uh, on uh, on the field and it will have an effect on the quality of play of TFC you've also as an NASL player played on some artificial turf that was uh, probably um, not well probably harder than concrete in, in some of those cases which would you rather if you're a player play on a chewed up grass field or play on an artificial turf field well, that's hard to say because, uh, you know, the old artificial, what you used to call AstroTurf, uh, I mean, I used to kid people around that there's a part of me in every stadium in the United States <laughs> because it would just, it'd be like a Brillo pad, uh, SOS pad. It would take the skin right off your, 
your thighs and your uh, and your legs on a consistent basis. It wasn't fun, but at least it was flat, maybe hard. But there's not there's nothing better playing on grass fields. That's all I can tell you. It, even if it's a chewed up field, it's always fun. The smell of the cut grass, uh, especially on a rainy day, uh, regardless of the condition of it, that beats playing on artificial turf any time. But that being said, uh, again, uh, without artificial turf, uh, I think uh, we wouldn't have uh, uh, the opportunity for young kids to play on a a field like Tim Hortons because it won't chew up the grass. So they get a chance to play in big stadiums, and I think that's that's a positive, not a negative. John, we got to go, but uh, your team, Scotland, is not in the Euro, so who, who is your rooting interest now? Who are you pulling for? Anybody that's playing against England. <laughs> okay, who who then uh, of and this is a, this is a hypothetical or it's a very random question of the teams that are in the Euros that will still be alive after this group stage. Which team do you think would be the most desperate to win? That a championship would actually mean the most to? Oh, Croatia! My goodness, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you've been on the front. I, I, I had the great fortune of playing with some really good, uh, who were Yugoslavs at the time, but were Croatians. Uh, I also played with some Serbian lads. And they were always the most talented players around, but they always had difficulty playing with each other. This is probably the first Yugoslavian-type team uh, uh, that I've seen that has actually played as a full team and played with a, a great spirit that I've never seen in them before. So for me... If Croatia was to win the European Championships, that nation would go absolutely ballistic. Not that any any of the rest would not, but I think it would mean more to them than anything else as a, as a new nation. Well, no, and, and you know, the, the reason I asked that question is because just on Sunday we saw the Cleveland Cavaliers win the NBA championship, and you can make a very solid case that for all, no other city in the NBA would a championship have meant as much as for the Cavaliers, for Cleveland. Right. And, and, you know, so the Croatia argument, absolutely. I think there are places that have experienced winning before that would love to win again, but it wouldn't mean the same as for a country like that. Well, I know that Northern Ireland, uh, who, as far as talent is concerned, is probably not as, you know, not on the same level as, let's say, Germany and and, and Spain and Italy. Uh, but... Northern Ireland, uh, has, I don't think they've been to a World Cup. Maybe they have. But I played with the best player in the world who was at Northern Ireland, and that was George Best. Never got a chance to really uh, to really do much. But like, if they were to win something like that, uh, you know, that'd be terrific. It won't happen, but it would be lovely. Croatia, the reason I said Croatia, and Belgium as well, uh, if that was to happen to either one of these two countries, it would be earth-shattering in those countries themselves. And it would give them legitimacy that we're finally showing the world that we're as good as we thought we were. John McGrain, always appreciate the time, always appreciate you coming on to chat a little bit of footy. Thank you nice for doing this. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Scott. You take care. Uh, we will be, uh, John will be watching the Euros the rest of the way, I'm sure, every single game. I wouldn't have any doubt, uh, as will many of you. You know what? I mean, it's, I still don't necessarily, I, I get John's point. I still, I don't still agree with the Euros as better than the World Cup. And the reason is, I am not a guy like John, who is a soccer purist, who is an expert, who can analyze a soccer match with the kind of technical eye that he can to see that kind of game. I love the idea of the very disparate styles. 
I, that that to me is interesting as a as a casual soccer fan. I like to see the African style versus the Brazilian style versus the German style versus the English. I like seeing those differences. That to me is intriguing, and I don't think you see that as much here. But I don't disagree with what John just said, and and why would I? He's the expert in this. The level, the overall level of play in this is probably higher. There aren't weak teams. Well, there might be one or two, but there aren't really weak teams. You get good games all over the place. So we keep watching. I, I be, there's a few games left in the group stage, and then it's on to, uh, and it's on to the playoffs. We're going to go on to a commercial. Back after this. Stay with us.